What do you say, Anderson? Are you ready for the most metal concert in the history of the world? Is that a rhetorical question? Let's do it. Okay, she's in. Initiate phase three. She's in. Move on to phase three. Copy that. Initiating phase three. Let's hope they hear this. This is from you. FM Radio TOVH The Flush Welcome back to another red pilling episode of the Toilet of Hell radio show. I'm Breno. Joining me today is Jordo, and that's it. It's just Jordo and Breno. That's it. That's all you guys get. Dad's not home, baby. Papa. Papa's not home, and already I'm, I'm sweating bullets, man. I can't do this. I cannot do this today. We got to hurry up and clean the place before he comes home. We yeah. got to get rid of all the beer cans and the Domino's boxes and make sure that the porno VHS was rewound and put back in the secret place we're not supposed to know about. Somebody spilled grape juice on my mom's new cushion. It's time and for everybody it, to it get out. Is it a white cushion? It's a white cushion. Man, that's a that's a that's a fucking time ago, man. I remember hating specifically pop artists that were more around my age when I was growing up. Um, that was that fucking Backstreet Boy brother who was like eight years old. They, they like I think when we were coming up as as younger people, that there seemed to be this really strange sort of flash in the pan moment where they would make like eight year olds do pop music. Do you remember that? Yeah, one, uh, her name was Jojo. That's I remember right. that was one of them. Yeah, it was because they've had the success of the young teenage pop people. They tried another level of let's go with tweens and preteens and, you know, just not think about all the implications that involved with that and all the grooming talk that's going on now. Right. Let's just like market to as young as possible because, hey, you know, these eight year olds, nine year olds, 10 year olds, their parents still have money. So, um, you had things like Little Bow Wow. You had JoJo. Um, I feel like I feel like Justin Bieber was the last great child pop icon. I think the Disney Factory kind of kind of stopped churning them out so much since then. But maybe I'm just out of touch. Well, I think like isn't Ariana Grande yeah. and all of them also Disney people? Yeah, uh, her uh, co-host there on her Nickelodeon show recently put out a book saying, "I'm glad my mother died." I saw that. Yeah, that's that's how you write a memoir. That's it. Man. <laughs> you go all out. Never people have been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. Just how this poor actress's mother was uh, Livia Soprano level monster. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, my my favorite part of the discourse, and this is this is a thing, especially with metal Twitter too, is that you have uh, a point oh six percent of the discourse is one side. And then the 99.6% is... Math is hard. 
Matt, math is hard for everyone. Fucking everybody else just disagreeing with it and saying, I can't believe people are saying like they're they're fighting some tsunami of takes and they and they just have some golden contrarian champion take all on their own. Um, a lot like the uh, I, I know you guys had previously discussed it, but the the, the Metallica thing on Stranger Things, I, I saw z- literally zero people and um, like coming out and, and giving people a hard time about getting into Metallica. All I ever saw were people that were like, no, this is good, actually. It's either this is good or eh, it would have been cool if they played something a little bit more obscure, but that's OK. <laughs> I, I still don't think anyone was really all that mad about it. it no, just, maybe it was good marketing yeah yeah um so one of the things that we haven't uh, gotten into in a, a good while is uh the metal news explosion had good interesting episodes this is not that episode um this episode is where we discuss current happenings and things that uh, have occurred that we saw on content aggregation websites that we frequent to give you guys the latest and greatest, right? This isn't the high quality episodes where we have a theme and practice and discuss what we want to do. This is like toilet radio raw. Raw. Toilet radio after dark. Just raw dogging toilet radio right now. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to go through some of these and we're going to discuss them and we're going to say the news that occurred and then uh, give our opinions like proper talking heads that we are. So I'm going to start off first with uh, my, my, my favorite bit of, uh, of metal discourse in, in the whole wide world, which is uh, people wearing T-shirts of bands that they don't know anything about so that they can be fashionable, cool, and, uh, you know, definitely attract and have sex with men, right? Like, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, when when Amato wears an Exodus shirt, he's only doing that for one reason, fellas. That's right, and it's to have sex with very good-looking Exodus fans. <laughs> I couldn't make can't it even say it. that without laughing. I couldn't make it through it. I couldn't. Um, so uh, you had sent me this post from Guitar.com, uh, which is I'm just I'm so curious how that ended up in your uh, your Rolodex because uh, you are not a gear guy and I promise not to be a gear guy in this episode. But that's because other places have reported on it. As we know how the cycle works, one place does the real interview and then everyone else goes, "Oh, we're going to link back to it, but we're better at headlines and pictures, so we're going to get all the clicks for it." <clears throat> so on on uh, Guitar.com, the headline reads as follows: New Megadeth song slams quote-unquote little brats in band t-shirts who don't actually listen to their music says dave mustaine and see here's another article i'm looking at with the same story just you know the words rearranged dave mustaine blames kardashians for encouraging heavy metal posers with a picture of dave mustaine next to a picture of kim kardashian so you see how this works this is how the clicking sausage gets made yeah, you, that's the best is like if you if you put the photograph of uh, exhibit A next to photograph of exhibit B, it's kind of like they're standing on a debate podium just hating each other actively in that moment, you know, or they're 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 staring at each other angrily across the street. You know what I mean? Because you got to what you got to do in those situations is find the most stressed out, vicious picture of those people as possible. I mean, this one. Uh, Kim Kardashian's in a model pose and looking good. And the other one is Dave Mustaine existing, which is not looking good and 
looking quite old and crusty. So um, congrats to Kim for winning this debate. I want to see Dave in a swimsuit in the next one. Let's try harder, folks. Or um, at least in his karate gear. <laughs> Stop. Oh, I got to focus here, man. So, uh, so you might have some quotes I don't. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the guitar.com quotes because these are these are great. Um, so this is a, this is from the new album, the sick, the dying, dot dot dot, and the dead! Exclamation point. Um, that's a good old classic Megadeth format. The ellipses in the album title and the exclamation point. I'm glad they're back to that. Um, so there's a uh, a new track titled Celebutant. Which was yeah. written about an experience in which Mustaine. <laughs> well, that's good. An experience. That's how you start a song. In which Mustaine claims, I, I like the word claims, claims he came across a girl in a Megadeth shirt who ignored. It's already bullshit. We know it's fake. Who ignored him because she wasn't familiar with the band. Speaking of the upcoming song, he said, That's about some of the overindulged little brats that are blowing around. There's a huge thing going on with Megadeth right now and had a, and a lot of the reality TV people. <laughs> There's a huge thing going on with Megadeth right now and a lot of the reality TV people. I mean, you can't just flip on uh, the E! channel or uh, TMZ without seeing people wearing Megadeth shirts. It's, yeah, just, nothing, it, it's everywhere. Nothing frustrates me more than trying to sit down and unwind to some 90-day fiancé. And all it is all the time is Megadeth this, Megadeth that. They make an exception for Naked and Afraid or whatever that show is. Like, okay, you don't have to be naked, but you have to wear a Megadeth shirt. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my favorite rules of uh, Naked and Afraid is that you you get to bring one item uh, with you to aid your survival, whether that be your trusty Bowie knife or uh, some kind of a flint to make fire. I would bring a Megadeth shirt because nothing nothing is more valuable to me in times of, like, you know, starvation and survival than, than social capital in the metal world. I'm going to bring my uh, Megadeth cryptocurrency. That'll help me. Despite any logic or sense, uh, Dave Mustaine continued, quote unquote, I saw a girl who was very attractive and she was wearing this t-shirt material dress and it said Megadeth in big giant logos. I saw her and I went, hey, hey, that's me. That's my band. She kept walking. And I backpedaled and said, no, no, stop. It's me on your dress, and I just want to get a picture. She ignored me. Mustaine then claimed that the photographer accompanying him at the time went after the girl, where she told him she wasn't familiar with the band and didn't want a picture. He concluded, so I'm making fun of her. (laughs) See, I have a few different quotes, but it's along the same story. This one has, uh, I said, hey, that's my band. And she looked at me like, get away from me, you pervert. Yeah, that she had every right to feel that way, even if she knew exactly who you were. And also, we don't want to give you our fucking pictures. <laughs> Just a crusty Dave Mustaine chasing after poor young women. Yeah, like this, this it doesn't matter if, uh, like... <laughs> What's how old is Dave Mustaine? Fifties, sixties at this point. He's got to be close to sixties, if not more. Older guy, um, and he's talking about oh, this beautiful young woman, and we all know how um, at what age you know Megadeth members consider women to be beautiful and approachable. We'll get into that in a second. 
But um, yeah, I, I even if you were the guy, man, I don't know. If I were in your situation, I'd probably keep fucking walking too. It's, how many times can this be brought up every year? Uh, with Meadows been around, what, let's just say 50 years just being broadly, and this has been brought up, what, 48 years since then? Just every time. And it doesn't help that these websites write about it because I guess they know people will rage click and comment and share it and be like, oh, my God, how can this person I do not like wear a shirt from a band I do like? How could this happen? The tragedy. Oh, you overindulged little brat. Oh. It's like if you or I were walking down the street in L.A. or wherever the fuck this guy is and a Megadeth T-shirt, would he come running up to us? No, he would avoid cross the street. <laughs> he would fucking walk the other way so that we didn't talk to him, okay? Um, it's the only reason this guy comes fucking racing toward it. Oh, and he's so, he's like, dude, the last few years have not been kind to Dave Mustaine. They really have not. I feel like he aged 100 years in like four years. Um, so here's this like long-haired, like crusty, beardy dude who's just like running up to you with your shirt I mean, what Dave Mustaine has to acknowledge is that he doesn't look like Dave Mustaine anymore. So she probably just didn't know who he was, even if she did know about the band for number one. And number two, man, it's just like completely inappropriate for you to just be like fucking launching yourself at women on the street. Like what what was the end game there? You know, no pun intended. This is the end game. What was to the have uh, good, to have a good story so what, you could sell your album? That too, but like, what what did you want out of this conversation with this young lady wearing your t shirt? You know, um, for a young lady to be interested in your old man band. Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about your uh, strategy there. I want to talk about what your um, what your motive was in approaching this young lady. That's what interests me. And she's only interested in risk and nothing else. <laughs> Damn it. Um, she could name three songs, but only from risk. So what did, so he brought up the Kardashians or where does Kim Kardashian factor into this? I think just the general, what are we talking about? Just various models, celebrities, various famous people that have a lot more money than Dave Mustaine does. And people like them a lot more, uh, that they just tend to wear band t-shirts even though they don't really listen to the band and all these old metal heads get uh, up in arms about it and i don't know we do this every couple of years mm-hmm. and you would hope that the every- pandemic and people staying home would maybe have gotten rid of some of these old ways but no in fact we're even more entrenched in the nonsense my music is passion not fashion man no one cares This isn't a uniform. This is a way of life. And the thing is, when these, like, beautiful celebrity women go out in Metallica t-shirts and shit, it's like them going out in, like, Cookie Monster pajama pants. They're just throwing (laughs) a fucking shirt on. They don't care, man. Leave them alone. That's not... That's not them making a fashion statement. It literally never was. Ever, ever. Um, It it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just so just doesn't fucking matter. Um, So we'll move on from Dave Mustaine, and uh, we'll go... We'll we'll go cover another Mega Dave, which believe me, if 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 you had said that six months from today that I would have a story about this guy where he's talking to 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 somebody again, I would 
I would not fucking believe you. It has not been enough time since David Ellison got in trouble that he should be out talking about it again. He's constantly showing up in news articles because he has like three bands at this point and is just constantly doing interviews and getting himself out there, pun completely intended, um, just to... I guess it's one of those things where you flood the market with your activities and ideas to try to push away from the bad news that came out about you. Like, look how busy I am. Look at all the things I'm doing. I will be happy to talk to your shitty little blog because that just makes all the searches for me in Google go down. <laughs> and uh, it's just, well, if I look him up, he has a new band out. He has a music video. And in, instead of the, here's the embarrassing pictures of me and my wee wee. Yeah, he was, um, and then for, I don't know how people might not remember this or might have not heard about this, but uh, David Ellison got in trouble uh, with society at large because he was caught having, like, like sexting with an 18-year-old girl. Well, she's a young age! But legally, it's fine. I guess it's cranking time. Like, he was doing FaceTime chats where he was stroking himself. And um, I don't know if you saw the video. I saw the video. It was leaked online. And um, not a pleasant angle for him. Uh, the, 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 it was it wasn't a flattering jerk session. <laughs> no, the uh, the undercock shot will never be that way uh, for any young man who thinks otherwise. It, it's not not a good look. You got to get the ring light. Maybe you need some nice backdrop. Maybe a green screen so you can put yourself in somewhere fancy. You know, a little bit of makeup. Maybe uh, some sort of decorative wang uniform going on. But no, it was just schlumpy looking in his bed. So um, this David Ellison interview was with uh, Real Music with Gary Stuckey. Now, I feel like I remember there was uh, a conglomerate called Real Music or something like it eventually changed to Fuse. Do you remember the Canadian like MTV? It was Much Music. Or Much Music, something like that. Okay, so. Yeah, there was Much Music, which was the Canadian version of MTV, which was an awesome channel throughout the 90s and 2000s, and then it quickly turned to garbage. Um, But we we got an American version that was Much Music USA, which then became Fuse. Which then became Fuse. I see. Okay. Um, So so maybe I, I... I misspoke real music must, must still be free and available to, to call your YouTube channel real music. So real music with Gary Stuckey is the interview that David Ellison did. Uh, real music with Gary Stuckey currently has up to 536 subscribers on YouTube. And this David Ellison interview got 1,247 views. So, uh, yeah, you nailed the nailed it on the fucking head. This guy's talking to anybody and anyone anywhere. We it's, could get him. It's like it's like the Phil Anselmo type thing. We could interview him at any time. He is very much available to us whenever he has a new project coming out because he will talk to anyone. And again, hey, more more press to keep away the bad things when you're trying to Google him. So, um, being the being the fucking journalistic legend that Gary Stuckey is, he got David Ellison to open up a little bit about what happened to him uh, with this Zip. whole sex scandal. Yeah. So <clears throat> we, I got some quotes from uh, David Ellison that I want to share. And I don't really – I'm not too familiar with David Ellison's voice, so I'm just going to read them. It's probably a lot like Mustaine's. Uh, 
So he says, you find out who your friends are and you find out who your friends aren't pretty fucking quick when the shit hits the fan. Wow, that's inappropriate language for a pastor, right? Because um, everybody wants to be around when you're picking up your Grammy. Look, life is, you're never on top all the time. Your life ebbs and flows. Your career ebbs and flows. All of that. I've been fortunate enough to be a career musician, and I've had to go with the ebbs and flows of the good, the bad, and the otherwise, sometimes from within, sometimes from without. Um, he then goes on to compare said ebb and flows to the appearance of grunge and its effect on the metal scene. Yeah, that's why you were caught stroking your dick to an 18-year-old girl was because of grunge, Dave. Um, in the early 90s, just when we thought everything was going awesome, Seattle music showed up. No one saw that coming. So there was all kinds of internal and external forces at work. And I think the trick is to be galvanized, to be able to withstand the storms and come out of the other side and still keep rocking. I'm very confused by where he's trying to go with all that. I mean, he sounds very bitter at being kicked out of Megadeth and for probably some of his old friends not sticking by him, understandably. But is he trying to blame grunge for <laughs> him? Not being in a popular band anymore. I think that uh, the implication here, and this is a quote out of context, like he had a lengthy interview on a podcast mm -hmm. with this guy. But I think the implication here is that um, bad things have happened to David Elvison all through his career. Things, you know, like the 90s grunge scene probably took him and Megadeth down a peg or two. And that could be comparable to getting caught with an underage groupie. So... You know, that's the, the, these are all the same thing. Whomst amongst us has not been in the same situation. Um, speaking of situations, he continues, I've been in situations with people that were just impossible. And somehow you just learn to make it work. Sometimes the success becomes the golden handcuffs. So you just have to make it work. And unfortunately, in those situations, what happens is you often start to compromise your own morality, your own beliefs your own integrity because you just go, well, if we can just get to the other side of the ocean before we sink, we'll be okay. And then you get to the other side and the phone rings and they say, Hey, we've got one more ocean for you to cross. So you decide to do it again. And, uh, Elvison is currently promoting his new band. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, he has some like new metal, not new metal, but a new metal band. Uh, to go along with his uh, band that he has with the guy from Sponge, whatever it's called, uh, the Flaccid, something like that. So his uh, new band, Dieth, is uh, with a member of Entombed AD and a former member of Decapitated. Wow. I, I think if you were in a situation like he has been, you just try to be positive and um, maybe deferential and not try to blame other people for your <clears throat> shortcomings. Ooh. Sorry, um, there's just so many puns and jokes you can make, and uh, Blabbermouth does it all the time with their headlines uh, about him. So I just, I, it's hard to resist. Oh, but that's just a thing in journalism, though. Like, if you're like a small town newspaper and uh, you write an article, headline that's like you know is is uber driving taxis out of business like your your editor is gonna come he loves that shit it just makes him wild 
the New York Post has been legendary for that over yeah. time, to the point where they actually had a book for sale in Barnes and Noble of just their headlines. And I think on the cover was <laughs> "Headless Body Found in Topless Bar." Like that was the big one. Yeah, it's very. Uh, I mean, like that's why we all got into the Onion was the headlines. Um, the article's not so much. So, I mean, the there's been a lot of discourse about the David Elveson thing. And and I've actually and this isn't just one of those I've you know some people are saying it's like no I I I probably saw just as many people come out and say like oh okay so two consenting adults can't have a sexual interaction without the guy getting canceled um, as as much as I saw people being like ew that's gross but uh, man like he he's what like fifty seven he's he's up there like we were just saying he's almost sixty and uh, this is a this is an eighteen year old lady. Um, and he is a very famous guy with, uh, you know, a, a lot of status in this situation. It just makes things kind of fucky. So, uh, you know, I, I think personally, if, if I knew a guy in his 50s, um, like, I don't know, like, let's say my dad or my father-in-law or any of those men that are in their 50s or 60s in my life, if, if they were suddenly like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sexually fucking around with an 18-year-old girl right now, how would that change my opinion of them? You know, and, and I ask anyone who was on David Elveson's side to consider that as well. If your dad left your family for an 18-year-old girl who, anyone listening, that is old, that is younger than you <laughs> by a lot, um, how would that make you feel about that person? And that's how I feel about rock stars who fucking get caught with that shit. It's it's just as gross. I think part of the story, too, was there was some uh, not sure of age as to when things started. So I think that was kind of part of the impetus of getting rid of him. On top of it, just being gross and embarrassing. And, hey, it's Dave Mustaine's band. He can do what he wants. He can kick people out. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and it's like know, that's... It's, that's the thing about 18 year old girls is uh, they, they were an 18 very, very, very short while ago. Um, which it's like is, uh, Dane, Dane Cook with his uh, engagement information that just came out, his announcement, where it was like, oh, his 22 year old fiance, and they've been dating for five years. And people are like, uh, uh, yeah, one, two, th- do the math, man. Um, it, I mean, like, you. There's really no other reason to be drawn to an 18-year-old girl other than the fact that she very short time ago wasn't that age. That's that's my fucking take, and I'm sticking with it. Um, Speaking of being canceled, did you hear about Maryland Death Fest is coming back already? Did we, <laughs> Yeah, I did hear that, and I closed the window. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, I remember everybody making such a huge deal about it being the last one, and we see this shit all the time where somebody claims this is it. This is the end. You're never getting another chance. You better go now. And then because of that scarcity, everybody shows up because they think, well, that's it. This is my only chance. And then, you know, they they make such a fucking killing at that event for those exact reasons that they go, Hey, we have enough capital here. Let's do another one. A month later, a fucking month after this year's uh, show ended, they're like, well, we're not coming back in 2023, but get ready for 2024. It's like, man, come on. Like, I'm glad people had fun. I'm glad people went to the show. But to kind of hype it up as this might be the last time. Huh? This is if you ever want to go, now's the chance. And then to do it so soon after, I think, is kind of what gets me. It's just like, 
you knew at the time, right? Like, yeah, they never outright said this is the last one, but the implication was there enough to like convince people to go. And I mean, I guess we'll wait and see if they do actually do it two years from now, but kind of takes the wind out of the sails of the last one, maybe just a little bit. I am so convinced that they said it was going to be the. Didn't didn't they really outright say this is it? This is the last one. I feel they, like they might have because uh, in like a Facebook post or somewhere along the lines. But oh, okay. either way, it was there that this is it. We're we're not going to do it anymore. It's probably not going to happen anymore. And guess what? It's happening again. And now you have even more time to book your shitty Baltimore hotel. I'm not going in 2024 either. <laughs> um. It's it's it seems like a pretty common way for uh, metal Twitter folks to kind of meet up and everything and um, yeah I I just uh, I don't think all the time and effort and money spent to get there is is really gonna make me happy to be at a festival of only underground death metal for three days. I think if I'm ever going to a festival now at my age, it's either like I can't miss one time only. This is their only show ever like type band or this is their only U.S. show first time, something like that. Or I'm playing. (laughs) Other than that, I'm probably not going or like maybe it's a short drive away and I could like spend the night in my own bed and not sleep on the hard, cold ground at Vakken or have to shack up with six other metalheads in an Econo Lodge off the interstate. Um, locally to me, there's a New England festival known as RPM Fest that's been mm-hmm. going on for a long time. And uh, they do it every year. And every year, the 12 people that go say it's the most fun and you should go. But uh, they got some real bands this time, I think. I Off the top of my dome, I can't say who. I, I don't remember, but I never go. I never, ever go because it's... It's just one of those things where I, you guys are all going to be camping and, and drunk, and God knows this is probably going to be your, your first time camping for the sake of, of metal music, and that's probably true of most outdoor multi-day festivals, is that a lot of these people don't really get like campground etiquette, and they don't understand when to like fucking chill out and go to sleep and leave other people alone, and not go around sneaking around around people's fucking areas and going through their stuff. It's just, it sounds like a horrible time for me. I mean, we know what happened at this past year's Maryland death fest in the pit. So you can imagine what would happen overnight with a, a little tent city, a, a Hooverville of metal heads. <laughs> Fuck that. No, thank you. So have the lineup for RPM fest, just in case anyone's interested. Atheist, Valiant Thor, Ghost, Esquilla grind, leather lung, Yatra, Black Pyramid, Tower, Pathogenic, Hath. I uh, can't read the, any of these names. And then it starts to delve into like local metal bands. Um, yeah, shout out to... What's the... I don't remember their name. Don't know shout outs for anybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> you get no shout outs because we can't remember. I can't remember your name. That's, that's what fucking happens, man. Um, it did. When we, we were talking about this, it reminded me of an old metal fest that used to be in Massachusetts. Loco Bazooka. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, that was like early 2000s. Let me see if I can find some lineups. This was like the big area metal festival. And it would it was one of those things where you'd have like three or four, maybe a little bit more real bands. Right, yeah. And then like 
20 locals like system of downplayed in 1999 in some park in the middle of massachusetts i mean that's sick i mean that and that's that's how you make those things happen is you get 20 local bands to buy their own tickets and fucking you know not sell them so that uh, uh major headlining acts get a guaranteed payout to show up and uh then you you know have everybody show up for not your band but for system of a down at you know 10 o'clock at night and here's the lineup in 99 just the the well-known bands system of a down cold chamber stained primus dovetail joint puya drain sth machine head slipknot static x in 1999 <laughs> Yeah, damn, dude. I was, I mean, in 1999, I think I was like 11 years old. I, I probably wasn't allowed to go to festivals like this yet. So you probably weren't allowed to go to the movies by yourself. No, no. So let alone some fucking place where you know people are drunk and women are taking their tops off. And um, like I remember being at uh, Ozfest 2004 when I was probably 16 or 17, and like that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your first concert? No, no. Um, my, I mean, I, I, I went to a lot of uh, dumb local shows before then at like bars and stuff. Um, I'd probably say like my first concert concert that wasn't just like, you know, a friend show at a skate park or something was, was probably uh, Unearth and Shadows Fall and uh, Lamb of God playing at uh, the Fat Cats in Springfield. In, oh, the uh, hometown venue. And like... Dude, like the year 2003, 2002, um, before they made it big. So, um, yeah, fuck festivals. I hate them. But Okay, you know, here's what I don't hate. I don't hate when black metal old heads talk about black metal's complicated history. Uh, Satyricon's Satyr uh, said that he is not going to po- apologize. He's not going to apologize for black metal's complicated history. He won't do it. He refuses. He was uh, he was having a collaborative exhibit at the Munch Museum with Norwegian painter Edward Munch. And we had an interview with the drummer Frost about it just a couple weeks ago, if people want to go back and listen to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Satyricon, I've... As far as, like, problematic black metal, I don't think they really show up on the radar too much. I can't think of a member who did anything. I'm... I'm sure someone, like always, is screaming at me in the comments, but I, I don't think they're one of the ones that really got up to anything cancelable. I don't, I don't remember. No, I, I mean, it helps when you only have two members. That's uh, true. Kind of keep things together. I, I think like the only like complaint I've seen about is I think Satter has done guest vocals in Norwegian, where it talks about like Norwegian pride or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like, Wah. and you're always going to have those degrees of separation, as we're going to talk about from him quoting sure. you know, be, him being quoted in a second. Um, so they spoke to uh, uh, Satter Metal Hammer did at this uh, th- this collaborative uh, art event, and they were asking him about church burning because you know no one can shut the fuck up about that. So here was his response: Church burnings and murder—they're a part of our history. If that's an obstacle that people have to overcome, then I can't work with them. I'm not going to distance myself from the scene I grew up in. I'm not going to apologize. And a lot of the people who personally have something to answer for, they're my friends. They did what they did. They were prosecuted. They served their time and they were released. That's how society works. I wonder who he's talking about. <laughs> There's a couple. <laughs> There's only probably a couple. 
Um, There's a couple. Yeah. I guess we don't want to assume it is who we probably think it is. But, right. Uh, it doesn't help because there are a few bad people. If I had to fucking roll the dice, I would probably say he's talking about Faust from Emperor. Possibly. Because Emperor, uh, despite all of Faust's ha- like doings, he was brought back into the band. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's a, he's a murdering homophobe. But uh, he's probably not, pleasant. Not the only one. Not the only one. No, not at all. But he's he's probably pleasant enough to be around in his 40s and 50s to be in a band with. Uh, the other guy is definitely not the the everybody's favorite camo wearing farm wizard. I don't think I don't think Satter's talking about him. Nobody's friends with that guy. That guy is physically incapable of friends. I can't wait for his kids to come out with a memoir. If like one of them comes out not screwed up, impossible. That'd be interesting to find out in twenty years. Impossible. I think I think the greatest memoirs are from screwed up kids, as we were talking about with the Nickelodeon girl earlier. <laughs> I, I mean, not screwed up in the sense of not like him. Yeah, oh, he, they won't be. They won't be. They, they're they're just like him right now. They're trying to make Papa happy right now, but they're gonna they're gonna grow out of it. They're gonna have a, a sip of soda, and the sugar will expand their eyes. <laughs> and fucking... They'll be opened up to a whole new world. It's like the stoned ape theory when they fucking get an orange crush in their mouth that they found left in a field somewhere. It's all gonna come come rushing in. Culture and and human intelligence will just finally enter their blonde, blue-eyed brains. Uh, Satter continues with with something that I think is pretty funny. Uh, so, so Metal Hammer uh, was was discussing with him the, the fans of the music and vocal critics of the music and Satter says, uh, we can't subscribe to some teenager in Germany's idea of the purity of black metal. I refuse to relate to people like that. People who weren't even born when we were molding the whole thing. They know nothing about it. Yes, yeah, so you're 15 and you're from Brazil. Like, shut the fuck up, man. Like, chill out. <laughs> no, no one's following these rules anymore. Nobody cares. Like, stop. It, from it helps that he is uh, probably more intelligent than a lot of his fellow black metalers from the scene and is a calm, sober way of looking at things and discussing them. I don't necessarily agree with the first part of him just being like, ah, they did a little oopsie daisy when they were younger and served their time. They're fine now. At least it's a reasonable, well thought out discussion and not saying black metal is Krieg 10 times (laughs) over and over again. Oh, man. But that's the good stuff. That's what I want to hear from. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up shortly here. He's got, he continues. He says, I grew up in what we refer to as the original Norwegian black metal scene. I am one of the persons that was a part of the both musical and social circle that set the stage for what it is. Now it's been around for 30 years or so, I guess time flies. And I guess what's the most frustrating part to me is that there are a lot of people that are very opinionated about the definition of black metal while at the same time, not having been there because we were so few and without mentioning names, very smart, very smart, legally, very smart. Without mentioning names, there are so many bands out of this country that say, yeah, we started in this year, so-and-so, and built from there, and then we released. And I think to myself, no, you didn't. Because if you were there, as you claim in your press release, I would have known. <laughs> <laughs> and then even worse, now having people that are from a different country, from a different culture and different age group to try and educate satiricon on the definition of black metal this is kind of like on twitter where you'll see maybe science medicine politics people will get into some sort of back and forth and uh maybe they'll use an article to back up their point and be like 
well, you don't know anything about this. And the person will go back. I'm the person who wrote the article that you're sharing. (laughs) Or like, I actually have a PhD in nuclear physics. Oh, that's the best. I am epidemiologist for, you know, Harvard Medical School. Shut up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. uh... I'm in the scene. I was there at this exact time in this exact place. I don't know who you are. Yeah, yeah, it's like I I was literally in the basement where we we wrote the word hell on the wall or something. I don't know. Um, definitely, uh, definitely very Brian Williams. I was there energy at the same time, but you know, I uh, I, I I guess respect is do where it's due, and the guy was definitely there for better or for worse. So hopefully, nobody is coming out uh, giving Satyricon a hard time about black metal. It's just a with black metal. It's the the origins of it are very weird, and there's some extreme stories. And from there, it's just been people trying to one up each other for thirty years. And I think for the people who were there around when it started, you've seen the weird stuff. So anything else is just trying really hard and trying to fit in and trying to mold yourself into uh, what the internet tells you it's supposed to be. Rather than, I don't know, we were 19 years old and dumb and I'm not going to paint my face anymore because I'm 48 years old and I'm just going to go over here and look at some pretty cool artwork. All right. So with that said, Jordan, do you have anything left on the docket that we want to discuss before we wrap this thing up? We do. We actually have a special uh, short interview with John Davis from the band Conan, uh, contributor, writer, Spooky Mansion sat down and spoke with him and talked about a lot of cool things about the band. They have a new album coming out this week uh, on the 19th. Evidence of Immortality is coming out on Napalm Records. They have uh, a couple songs out. It's If you like Conan, uh, I've heard the album. It's a lot more of that. It's very heavy. It's that sludgy, doomy grossness that we all come to like from them. And um, they actually just played Obscene Extreme Festival like a week ago. What I'd be very interested to find out from this interview, which I probably will, is uh, is it pronounced Conan like Conan O'Brien or Conan like, you know, Conan the Conqueror? Yeah, it's, it could be one of those Conan or Conan or uh, maybe we could have some fun and call him like Cone Dog. <laughs> Cone Dog. I like Cone Machine. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's roll the, uh, cone dog footage with this interview and, uh, that's going to be it from us. We're just going to play out the show with the interview. Uh, thanks for sticking with us though. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate your constant, uh, listening patronage, but not only that, you can do a further patronage, an actual financial patronage, and you can find toilet of hell on patreon.com i'm gonna assume it's probably patreon.com slash toilet of hell with a v instead of an f in the of but that is correct that's it that's the url i don't think it's that complicated you guys check us out on patreon and if you follow us there you will get access to bonus content um, that is very well worth your time and money so check us out there thank you guys again keep it metal and jordan myself and joe we will see you next week bye Bye. Uh, all right then. So uh, this is Olivia, aka Spooky from Toilet of Hell, and that sounds really stupid to say to someone who's not like an internet person. So I feel really embarrassed right off the bat. <laughs> uh, don't worry about uh, it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we're probably going to have a, like a hard limit of like 20, 30 minutes on this interview because, um, well, before I interview, you know, a master of caveman battle doom like yourself, I thought the best way to prepare would be to start my day with some uh, Flintstones, fruity pebbles. And I've only got about 20 minutes before those flakes pass out of my body. So let's get this uh, started. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. So where are you joining for us from today, John? Sure, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so... For, uh, those oh, sorry. Did you ask? Did you ask me where am I joining you from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I beg, I beg your pardon. Sorry, I thought you did. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just um, currently uh, on. I live on the Wirral Peninsula, which is not far from Liverpool. Ah, oh, that's and, uh, so I'm British. In, I'm in, yeah, northwest of England or in the UK right. or the England actually. All right, all right. It sounds lovely. Well then, uh, let's get right on to it. So you got um, this new record coming out, Evidence of Immortality. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty excited for it. I've, I've heard the promo so far, and it's uh, whipping my ass. So for our listeners who haven't yet heard their first Conan record, so what's like the overall vision of Conan so far? What have you guys brought to the Doom world? Well, I think we've brought, brought a kind of uh, heaviness that is comes from more like nail bomb god flesh fudge tunnel um angles um and they're like sort of like the bands that we reference most in our musical style i think more than maybe more than other bands that maybe more like uh sabbath worship type of thing or psychedelic and that kind of oh yeah i mean that's all awesome but it's not our thing so I think, yeah, I think we kind of brought that sort of heaviness mm-hmm. to the world of doom metal, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think you guys have sort of hacked the like the the doom template that has been sitting there for a long time. Like, you, you guys aren't really using, like, the same pentatonics. You're making the drones really droney and letting the drums crash around. And yeah. I think whenever I play Conan for people, the thing that sticks out most is just the vocal delivery. It's so intense and so like just bellowed from a from afar. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised you made a big splash. Yeah, oh, that's cool. No, that's we. Uh, I guess in terms of the vocals, they they've they've improved a lot of things since our first release. I'm glad to say, which is uh, <laughs> just just through touring a lot and you know practicing it more. Like my uh-huh. vocals are a lot, t- a lot tighter now. I've got more, a lot more sort of texture to my voice and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. that's really helped in. Um, that's really helped me. I think so. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying the vocal style that, that, that I have right now, and I, and it's the one worry is like after COVID, will I get that vocal style back or not? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, for, have you have you actually uh, had it? Have I had COVID? Yes. I, I don't mean after being sick with COVID. I mean, like, after having such a long break with COVID. Ah, um, I see, from, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. From touring, generally. Yeah, I got to so, warm it back up. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, honestly, it's it sort of must have some sort of muscle memory there because it's I've not really had an issue sort of getting my voice back in the right place again. So, mm-hmm. so far, so good. So I wanted to ask him also, um, You've talked before in other interviews about how you, you know, never want to, you never want to explore just the same territory on each album. And I do note like an evolution through your releases. So, uh, you know, the earliest EPs like Horseback Battlehammer, they're very 
drony sort of uh, meditative almost. And then as you move up through Blood Eagle to Manos and beyond, things get um, a lot groovier and uh, start to speed up a little bit. And I noticed on this new one, you've got a couple of breaks that are almost like not so much snails crawl as like plotting elephant. So that's, that's still a speed up. So tell me a bit about that. Well, I think that first we were our, we were quite limited in our, in our ideas and and um, knowing what we were capable of and what would work, and we had no reference points really in terms of what's worked for us before because we've not we haven't really done much. So and also we've never really been a band who tries to sound like other bands. So we were just kind of it was like this chicken and the egg scenario, and we just put out on horse up about. Uh, I think you're, uh, yeah, you're lagging a little bit. Since then, we've been able to reference back to that material. In our, in, in our subsequent material, we've uh, um, we've sort of, sort of shape it, before, hammer it into shape. Yeah, yeah, and we've like been able to sort of build up like a kind of our sound, and of course that provides a framework for subsequent releases. Music because you got like a point of reference. Did it sound groovier, like you said, or did it have more faster bits, or was it more slower parts? And how do we make this album interesting compared to the last one? All those things help as you go along. So I think for that reason, we've changed in some ways, whilst I think um, remaining true to our core values. You know, we just want to be like a a heavy band who plays music that is relatively simple, but it's hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like a like a yeah. well sharpened rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like a, like a flint axe head. Quality. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it just feels like you guys are moving from, like, primordial to, like, paleolithic. You know, relatively speaking, yeah. it's advanced, but we're still very, very Stone Age here. <laughs> yeah, definitely in the Stone Age. Not quite made it to the Iron Age yet. But we might yeah, get there yeah. at some point. We'll, we'll always have that kind of simplicity at heart. That's really what we're interested in. Oh, making... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't ask you to change that ever. That's, that's why we're no, out no. here. <laughs> yeah, I think what we do is... I mean, on this album, we've got some, you know, the song structures have become a little bit more sophisticated, I think, and that's because it's taken us, well, we, 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 had, we had to take so long in sort of preparing the album because of lockdown and we couldn't rehearse, we couldn't travel to each other to get into the studio. And for that reason, we took so long, you know, making the album. And I think the songs are structurally a lot more interesting than maybe on some of the other albums. I, I would so. agree there. Um, the first track that I heard was uh, a cloven, a cleaved head no longer plots, and I was listening yeah. to it. I'm thinking like, wow, there's so much, there's so many changes here. There's a lot of sweets, you know. It it really does yeah, have yeah. a lot of like stages to it. Yeah, that was one of the that's one of the songs that we came up with when we first started recording demos back in uh, December 2019. Nice. And nice. Um, yeah, that's an idea stuck with us. Same with um, Levitation Hopes, you know, the riffs that are in that song were sort of came around 2019, mid to late 2019. Mm-hmm. So as, as you can see, the songs have formed 
slowly yeah. over time. And I think that really helps with us. We're not going to get to shape rock. The existential void guardian was sort of written on the hoof. Um, but this album, we definitely took a lot more time to put it together. Yeah, it really let it bake. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, definitely baked it for longer, for sure. Yeah, so, um, you know, given a lot of the, I suppose we could say fatalistic theming going on in a lot of your lyrics and a lot of your uh, imagery as well, and also because you've yeah. spoken so firmly about, you know, finding new sounds, keeping each album its own beast, I wanted to ask, like, distantly, do you ever foresee an end to Conan? And if you did, what sort of ending would you put on it if you could write it yourself? Like, where does this saga go? Um, the only sort of natural conclusion to Conan is if we were killed in battle. <laughs> if, and if, if that doesn't happen, then I think we'll be releasing music for um, until we wither and die and turn into skeletons on stage or something. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. I mean... As soon as you feel got, death coming on, you got to go grab all your, your leather armor and your chain mail and just find a nice throne and just sort of sit there. Yeah, exactly. Just like Conan, like the, uh, the Conqueror or whatever is the new one yeah. that never came to be. But yeah, we, um, we're happy with what we're doing. We still got plenty of twists and turns left. Still got plenty of um, stories to write. So I don't see the end coming anytime soon. All right. Well, hey, that's that's good news for me, too. Uh, hey, maybe I'm going to throw an air ball here. I kind of wanted to throw this one out here. Uh, I wanted to ask a bit about your history with video games. It's not hard to see mm-hmm. shout-outs to Golden Axe and Mortal Kombat in a couple of spots. And I know those are both yeah. 90s arcade classics. So I'm wondering, like, uh, what else you got in the tank there? Um, arcade games like such as Double Dragon, mm-hmm. uh, Shinobi, Shinobi. Um, the, old, the old PlayStation game, um, Tenchu, Stealth Warrior, um, Skyrim is a huge one. Uh, yeah, I can totally uh, see that. <laughs> yeah, Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask also because um, one of your tracks on this new one is, uh, um, what is it? Gauntlet was one of my favorite Yeah, let me, let me look up what this track is called because I looked it up. And I was almost afraid to ask about it because it would reveal me to also be a giant nerd. But I believe it's a it's a reference to Eve Online. Okay, tell me what you think it is. Well, yeah, because um, I think it's this track you have here called uh, "Equilibrium of Mankind," which is a really specific sort of phrase. And uh, okay. when I googled it, it comes up with uh, this faction from Eve Online, "Equilibrium Mankind," and. Amarian terrorist death cult, which I assume is just like some sci-fi nonsense. But um, I don't know. I wondered if perhaps you were also that kind of dork who does like uh, video game economics. But I feel like Eve is maybe too high-minded for uh, the kind of territory you seem to inhabit. I didn't believe in myself, but I, I, I had to check it out. You've hit the nail right on the head. Because I um, I don't play Eve Online so much anymore, but I do still have my character in training. I've got like a thousand day training schedule mapped out for him still, yeah. and I, I've I've had that character now for I don't know um, maybe thirteen years, fourteen years. Unclear. Yeah, so I'm still paying every month for the uh, the CCP fees. And that character is God knows how many million skill points, but it's, you know, he's really, really good. 
But yeah, I've not really been, I've not dipped into Eve all that much. This is, this is fantastic. This is investigative journalism paying off. <laughs> yeah, it's so, that game is so much fun. And um, it's probably one of the few games I can still play now and not feel like a big soft kid because it is quite high-minded. And uh, you, can, you can just go mining for It kind of feels like the real thing. It's cool. I've been playing Elite a lot in lockdown as well. I kind of oh. got obsessed with that. Do you have like a proper setup with Different double kind of joysticks of... and everything? Yeah, with the Hotas setup attached to my Corsair <laughs> gaming chair, I do indeed have all that setup. But, but again, Eve, I was obsessed with it for a while uh, with uh, Elite, and then I've not really played it so much lately. But yeah, it's a great game. That's a, a game that I will probably always be into. Oh man, that's that that's a lovely little anecdote. That's that's the real character of John Davis. That's who we want to know. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, that's that's pretty cool though. Yeah, All right, so let's two, two Yeah. So let's get a little more maybe a little more technical here because you know, I would definitely say that Conan is um I'd put them in the category of like amplifier worship. So I wanted to know a yeah. bit like what sort of tweaks are you make have you made in your like tone and guitar sound for this record? I was listening back to um, to Existential Void Guardian, and the guitar in that, compared to uh, Evidence of Immortality, it feels a little more, I guess, not squashed, but like sort of flattened out. It has more uh -huh. doldrum to it, and uh, Evidence of Immortality yeah. feels a little sharper. So what's happening there? Yeah. Well, on, on Existential Void Guardian, I used... Uh... Uh, the guitar I used would have been God, I can't remember what, what would have used back then. 2018. Probably would have used the uh, uh, Goldsmith SG. That, I think I bought that back off somebody. In terms of the amplifiers, um, and I think that definitely shows in the guitar tone. Um, I used a solid state setup with, mm -hmm. and the, the, the pedals I was using was a uh, like a HM2 clone, and yep. uh, and, a, and a different fuzz pedal which was I think modelled on the Dan Meathead um, single knob silicon fuzz pedal, which mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. gave us a different sound on that album than this album, which yeah yeah is all you know it's all valve amplifiers on this you know i'm playing through um the sun model t yeah the sun model t that i've kind of we've used on every album and the uh my live touring rig is a uh, mesa boogie 295 stereo power and valve power amp. and i've got a um a valve preamp this is all on a rack system. I've got a valve preamp that somebody made for me, a guy called Ned Clayton in America. And those, yeah, he makes amplifiers with a gentry from um, Eagle Twin. Uh, Very, cool. And, Very cool. Yeah, yeah, he made me a, a rack mount valve amplifier. So I used them in the studio as well. I gave him more like a, an old, like, matte amp or orange sound, which is what I really wanted to have. And... Mm -hmm. I think we also use the Marshall JMP because one of those apps died partway through um, 
Yeah, so just couldn't down, just so. couldn't take it anymore, huh? Just couldn't handle it, so we switched out <laughs> and hope hope nobody would notice. But I'm giving the game away now, anyway. But the uh, the um, the, 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 this album was more like our expected setup in the studio, so it was all about. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely made a change to the sound on the album. I used to. I used a uh, a guitar that I hadn't used before in the studio. That's a, a like mm-hmm. a a uh, um, an Orville, which is Gibson but but Japanese, um, an Orville Les Paul custom from like the nineties or something. Yeah, and that's got a knuckle war pig bridge pickup, which is my favourite combo. And uh, yeah, so it's oh yeah yeah those reasons. Tony I think the guitar sounds no, no great. surprise there. <laughs> No, no, not really. Just, just good solid gear. Yeah, I mean, look, good solid gear. That that's what you got to take with you when you're going on a an endless march across the uh, the swamps and steps. The frozen tundra. Yeah, I mean, so this this record and a lot of yours, they feel to me, they feel kind of arid, like very very hot and dry in tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we mm-hmm. ever gonna get like a cold Conan record, <laughs> or whatever <laughs> whatever definition? Yeah, uh, I don't know quite what that means, but um, neither do I. The, the analogy there of uh, of an album having some sort of like actual temperature, if analogy is the right word, because well, they all feel like places I could visit. You know, I don't know. They feel like I'm, yeah, I'm I traveling someplace. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, let me think. I'd say probably, I'd say probably Monos was one of our was our cold album. So. We could go there again. I think maybe this album, if it was going to be likened to being sort of hot uh, and dry, would be sort of akin to more like Revengeance or Blood Eagle. So yeah, yeah. we'll, uh, I guess our next album could be drier and, uh, sorry, colder, like um, like Monos was. We'll try our best. Maybe we'll record it in the winter with the windows open at fall and see if that makes any difference. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too greedy here. Y'all are putting out a fresh new album, and I already got to, like, chew on that a bunch. But, you know, hey, I, I'll always be expectantly awaiting the next one. I actually, um, I was, you know, doing some back catalog research here, and uh, I I uh, checked out your old splits with uh, Slomatics and Bong Ripper. Uh, I oh, yeah. really damn good. I feel like you guys uh, warmed up pretty well to each other sort of like a you know like a back-to-back sword fight i was wondering if you guys could ever see yourselves doing that again and like who would uh who would be on your short list who would catch your fancy for it nowadays to do a split i don't know to be honest you don't see that many bands doing a split now uh, that we would sort of be into but mm-hmm. i don't know i mean it'd be cool to do a split with someone like maybe high on fire, that would be cool. I think we occupy a similar right. space to them, but we don't we don't sound like them crucially. Um, yeah, it's a vibe more than could, a genre. Yeah, that could be interesting. Um, or maybe someone like Yob, that would be a good mixture as well. You know, we've spoken to Mike a few times, like collaborating on some stuff. Sort of a, a wizard yet. and warrior combo. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that could be good. Like. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So, so what Not I'm really hearing sure. here is that, is that Conan used to travel in packs, but now, due to tragic backstory, they stand alone for all time. Yeah, our village was destroyed, and we're now in search of 
they, they keep getting destroyed. I don't I don't know yeah. what we're supposed to do about that. No, I'm not sure. We have to some, uh, somehow find whoever is responsible and bring it to justice. Mm-hmm. But before you can do that, you got to get huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's about all the questions I had prepared, but I, I can't let you go without relating, like, a small thing that's happening in my neck of the woods. And I do mean my immediate neck of the woods, like here in my apartment. Uh, so my downstairs neighbor... My downstairs neighbor is also named Conan, and oh, yeah. I guarantee that it's not his birth name. I guarantee he chose it for himself. I've been in his apartment mm. one time. Uh, I had to go down there to talk about uh, some water leakage that was going through a ceiling, but I popped in there, and there were two things that I saw. One was uh, swords all over the place, right. uh, antique oh, swords, swords from the mall, just every kind of uh, every kind of cool historical world blade replica you could think of, and the other <laughs> one was weights, garage full of weight sets. And uh, oh, yeah. every day this summer so far, every day so far this summer, at 6 p.m. on the dot, I hear Conan uh, heading into his weight room, putting his heaviest racks on, and then for the next hour, it is slamming weights that I can hear through my kitchen floor. And it's going up with these, uh, these weight-looking weight. runs. And I wonder to myself, I wonder if this same thing ever happened to John. I wonder if there was that no. Eureka moment that just put it all together. <laughs> well, when I was doing my weights, no. I'd, uh, I've never had that. I do go to the gym, but no, I've not had, um, mm-hmm. I've not had that, that sort of Eureka moment. Yeah, I just got to... I'm trying to figure out how you... I mean, because, again, this, this style you guys have put together, it's so singular it's so you it's it's come so far out of nowhere and uh you're still going very strong with it from what i can hear so yeah yeah. any any last things you want to say to the uh toilet verse uh well thanks for listening and um keep supporting the underground heavy metal scene we appreciate it hey we appreciate you it's it's a mutual feeling thank you very much indeed all right all right hey have a good one dude take care of yourself you too. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye bye. Adios. Adios.
You're listening to 66.6 FM. Radio TOVH. The Flush. <clears throat> you want to set it up? Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut the fuck up. Sorry, my neighbor's sneezing really loud. Let me close the window. <laughs> <laughs>